Good afternoon. Welcome to the In Results podcast. My name is Ben Coates, as always. And as usual, I'm joined by Alistair Hobbs, the Managing Director of In Results. Good afternoon, Alistair. How are you? Good afternoon, Ben. Yes, very well, thanks. I think we should begin with a quick acknowledgement to the sad passing of the Queen over the past week. Uh, it has brought up some HR questions, of course, which we are going to answer in a blog. I think certainly we should uh, just acknowledge that the passing and the sad occasion there is in the UK at the moment. Yeah, indeed, Ben. I can't add anything that hasn't been added by a myriad of commentators in the last six days, five, six days, it's been, yes, it feels quite strange. You know, we've all, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s and have known nobody different. She's been a constant presence. And whilst I'm not a flag-waving royalist in any way, it is sad. And um, it's such a public display. And seeing things like that vigil at uh, St. Giles's Cathedral in Edinburgh, where my daughter actually lives, um, seeing things like that, very sombre dignified um, and, and very public occasion like that. And you have to feel for those that have to carry on who, who will be grieving personally. And we shouldn't be disrespectful for the, for the many millions, no doubt, who feel a sense of strong sense of personal grief. And yes, it has, of course, thrown up issues. Another bank holiday. So many larger employers, especially, have been quite quick to be supportive of it. Others like Centre Parks seem to have created a bit of a PR debacle for themselves in, in the last day or two um and but so many smaller companies you know and, and that sort of sme size business who who've already carried the cost perhaps of the platinum jubilee extra day they they're faced with um uh, difficult decisions uh, at a time of year of course when a lot of employees have already used up much of their annual entire and maybe just have a couple of days held back to tag on to the sort of Christmas traditional kind of periods where they maybe try and piece together a week off. It is problematic, but where where people can, where employers can, it's one of those national events that I think everybody really would like to, to take part in or at least sit and watch on the telly. It does kind of link to today's guest because one thing I think a lot of employers and employees did over the last three years is built up loyalty to each other seen each other through the pandemic. And a lot of that, of course, was based from working from home. And today's guest, we have Paul Owen of Sales Talent. And Paul, of course, is wants to talk to us about working from home, about it being detrimental to their mental health. Just to introduce you, Paul, before you, we bring you in, you are the Amazon best-selling author of Secret Skill Hidden Career. Um, you are very experienced in the seminars at universities, and you've worked with over 10,000 people. And we are now going to ask you to talk to our audience and tell us, who you are, what you do, and how people can work from home more effectively or work through the business more effectively. So, Paul, good afternoon. Over to you. Thank you, Ben. And uh, thanks to you and Alistair for having me here today. I love sales, and uh, I'm a sales evangelist partly because I turned my nose up at sales for years uh, and didn't think it was the job for me. And then in my early 30s, uh, when I was completely broke, I found sales, fell into it like most people do, and it changed my life. And I think everybody who goes into sales has their life changed by it. And since then, which is, you know, the last 20 years, I spent probably the first decade or so uh, selling myself. And then the last decade uh, helping other people sell, although like all of us, I still sell every day myself. So people that work with me, I work with lots of sales teams, predominantly in London, but also around the UK. And my job is simply to help them sell better. And if I may just include one more bit on my introduction on uh, the company, the challenge in sales, and there are many, but the challenge in sales, first of all, is that how we as a British public think about sales is almost completely negative. And there are some reasons where, uh, and some times when that's justified, 
But I think in every walk of life, as we've seen in the last 20 years, there are mistakes happen and there are scandals that happen. And actually, the vast majority of salespeople uh, work hard and do the job properly. And I think when when we can all start to agree on what sales is and sales to me is about helping people make good buying decisions. And we do that by asking questions and effectively searching for the truth. So I often talk about sales actually being a mission and that mission is to search for truth. Once we understand the client's needs, then we can help them. And before jumping into our topic today, or before I ever go into details with clients about sales training, we first of all have to talk about what sales is. And sales is not talking at people. It's not pitching. It's not going on a bit too long as I am now. Mm -hmm. It's actually taking time to find out if people have a need, if we can help with that need, then we try and position ourselves on that. If we can't, we wish people well and move on. And it's it's pretty much pointless to talk about sales and how to do it until we agree what it is. I think I think to summarise that as well, Paul, I think you'll agree, it's, it's, it's about building relationships, whether it's a five-minute relationship or a 20-year relationship, it's all about knowing the person you're selling to. Absolutely. And then you asked me about working from home and, and, and the theme of today. Listen, I don't claim to speak for the whole world. I, I work in sales... At, almost exclusive. I, I work with a few other functions where they want to improve their communication skills, but but 95% of my work is with sales teams. And I think through the pandemic, what happened is we learned that we can, we are able to work from home successfully. And I think what's troubled me in recent times is that just because we could do it doesn't mean it's the most effective way to do it. And now that we have a choice about it, I think that the argument has very often been quite one-sided. And it's been a universal good of working from home, which is, you know, not commuting, more family time, work-life balance, uh, which effectively are all the same thing. It's the lack of commute, which, which creates that. And I get it, but I don't think there's been enough talk, and that's why I was delighted to come and join you today in particular, about the potential downsides. And the potential downsides for salespeople in particular is that in most cases, not all, but in most cases, salespeople tend to be extroverts. And what's, I think, often misunderstood about extroverts is not that they enjoy company, it's that they need company. They feed off company. It's the, the, the energy, the motivation, the spirit they get is partly being fueled by the people by whom they're surrounded, whereas an introvert can also socialise in all the ways an extrovert can, but it find, they find it draining. It takes energy away from them. Now, with extroverts, it takes time for that to th show through. And I found it myself working mm. from home. It took me quite, I mean, a lot of months to realize I was just losing that, I don't know what you call it, that va-va-voom, that motivation, that excitement, yeah. that energy from not mm. being around people. And bear in mind, I don't live alone. I have a wife, I have three children, the house is always busy, but it's a different kind of company. Now, when you then consider that a significant proportion of salespeople are 20 to 35 years of age, certainly based in London, the Southeast, very often living in house shares. They are effectively waking up in the morning, sitting on the end of their bed and working with no change of environment, no change of company. And I think they've managed to do that, but I think long-term there will be significant mental health issues if that carries on. Not for everybody, but for a significant number who are still currently working from home. I think you're right. I think that one of the biggest things is an office environment. It, it, could, it could be very positive, it can be very negative, of course, and there is both sides of that element. But at least then you you kind of are around people and you discuss the issues. One of the biggest things, of course, we're working from home is the walls don't answer back and you've got nobody really to talk to unless you jump on a Zoom or a Teams call. And that then, of course, brings its own issues. And looking in the bites of people's eyes, there's nothing like it, really. When you say it will bring issues in the future, what kind of issues do you see and what kind of timescale do you see? I think timescale is hard to sell. Um, I don't have enough evidence to back it up. But the issues, 
I think predominantly, I guess, there's two issues, uh, but I think they probably end up in the same place. One issue is going to be that, and I think I think it's the gradual nature of it, Ben, and I said that's a problem. It's little by little by little by little over over days and weeks and months and maybe even years. Is people going into themselves more? There's a weird thing. Sales is a weird world, and it's a weird world because you go into it normally because you're quite successful with people. You get on well with people. You probably have a 90, if not 95% plus success rate of meeting people and getting on well with them. You then go into sales. And it depends a little bit clearly on the on the kind of job, Ben. But in many cases, you experience failure 90% plus of the time. And that's a strange dynamic to go in. And in many ways, you're supported in the office by having those people around, as you mentioned. So my yeah. greatest, I think the number one challenge is that people start getting down and down and down <laughs> and that in itself carries a problem with their happiness in life, their health in life. I think then the second, the knock-on effect, and I think I say they end in the same place, is that their performance goes down. And the performance goes down because of their, how they feel about themselves, not necessarily their skills, not the economy, uh, not everything else that goes on. And so ultimately it ends up is you lose those people. They leave sales, they leave the company. And if there's one thing that the sales world does not need, it's to lose its already relatively limited resources of outstanding salespeople. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting, you know, you say about feeding off others. Uh, some years ago now, quite a well-known sales trainer in, in the West Midlands had at one point in his career had been selling private jets he talked about, you know, basically the sort of like celebrating the no. You know, he would he, he'd say, you know, I, I'm guessing he was describing a, a sort of an open plan office with a sales team. And, you know, they would they would kind of like have competitions. How many no's could you get, you know? Big ticket items. You're not, it's not like you're selling the daily press. These could be big ticket items. You're not going to land successfully on a you know, continual basis. It's, mm. um, you've got to keep positive, haven't you? So I can imagine that, that, that sitting on your own without the support of others, seeing failure, seeing failure, learning from other people's experiences. And I think it's that learning especially amongst those that are more inexperienced. I think a lot of HR people in short-term basis, perhaps, especially in places like London and large commercial centres, the ability to offer hybrid working or, or indeed largely home working is it throws the casts that talent pool net out a lot wider and gets people geographically well out of your range normally, who would never think about spending the 12 or 15 grand a year plus commute talking to a friend of mine today in the car, talking about the joys of working in London and just, you know, the, just the general feeling of feeling filthy when you got home after a day mm. of travelling around on tubes and buses and walking down the street. It's not for everybody, but, uh, of course, the rewards are there. So I, I do appreciate also the angle of widening the net geographically. Um, I wonder, and, and I've not thought this before, it's been prompted by what you just said, so forgive me for the... Uh, 10% uh, thought through idea. There's, there's a concept of selection within that as well. So I don't know that the majority of salespeople are people who want to be working from home uh, mm. all the time. So we can come to hybrid in a second, but the, the idea of being a geographically all over the place and working from home all the time. I just think almost the nature of somebody who doesn't want to be around others might mean for many of them that perhaps not 
all that suited to sales. And the example in a different world I'm thinking of, so Foxton's the estate agent, which is, which is a name familiar if we're in London, the Southeast, but less familiar uh, perhaps around the country. But Foxton's are renowned for lots of things. One thing uh, they are very strict on is working hours. And they, um, when you join Foxton's as an estate agent, you work from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. six days a week. Uh, which is um, torturous. I mean, they're pretty yeah. tough hours, right? And I remember, and I don't know Foxen fifty well, and I'm neither speaking ill of them or well of them, but but that straight away, when I looked at it, I thought there's automatically a selection criteria that's going on there before you've even walked through the door for the interview. So you know it's six days a week, um, yeah. 12 hours a day. So immediately anybody who for whom that doesn't appeal for whatever reason, let's face it, there'll be plenty for whom that doesn't appeal. Mm. You don't even walk through the door. I work with sales teams and sometimes I, I don't really get involved with recruitment, but a client might talk to me about advice on recruitment. I helped with a couple of sales management positions recently with clients and they talked about a sales manager saying, well, I don't mind coming to the office sometimes. And I was like, that to me is a massive red flag. Because if you want yes. them to be a leader and you want them to be in the office, the fact they don't mind coming in, no, no, I want them to want to come in. And, and I'm not forcing them to do that. It's just the wrong match. If they're not gravitating towards being there as a sales leader, they're probably selecting themselves out of being the right person. Salespeople have to be hungry. That's, that's obviously the key to sales. And they need to be sponges. They need to learn every single time. If the mental health is not as it should be, they're not going to evolve as a salesperson. As we all know, if you stand still, you're kind of going backwards, aren't you, Paul? Yeah, you are. And I think on that point, and one you mentioned earlier about being around the office and learning uh, from others around you, there's a fluency to sales. When by the time you go into a sales job, you probably didn't even get the job unless you are a relatively good communicator. All right. Normally a bit too much emphasis on talking rather than listening, but that, that can be trained. But then you go into this new world and whether it's tech or finance or property, whatever it might be, you don't speak the language of it yet. So you've got this enormous amount of information about the market that you need to learn and your systems and how you approach clients. And then there's an enormous amount of information about your clients, you know, what's going on in their world, what their concerns are and how you can help them. And I tend to find it takes at least three, uh, if not six to eight months to start becoming somewhere close to fluency. And the reason is fluency because years ago I spoke um, pretty bad French and I got a bit better then got worse again and I tried a couple of other languages and when you're not very good at a language but you speak a bit what you're doing is translating you're thinking in English you're translating to French and then you speak and then you hear them and you translate back you can't have a conversation at that speed that's what happens early in your sales career you're taking on board what a client says but you're taking so long to process what that leads to that the conversation is stilted and it takes time. It takes miles in your legs. And back to your question, your point earlier, Ben, it takes often being around people and hearing how they handle it and picking up on lots of stuff that I've, I'm pretty sure we're taking in unconsciously around us. And you then start to either join the dots and a regular lament that I hear from sales leaders and managing directors from from new salespeople is to say, oh, don't they know that when a client says X, then we should be saying Y? I said, well, in short, if you did a quiz where they had time to think about it, they would know that X leads to Y, but they're not fluent yet. So they don't make that link quickly yeah. enough. And that link takes yeah. time and being around people, you do that more quickly. Absolutely. If you're sitting next to somebody and you're hearing them using the language that you need to be using, it's helping you rehearse it, isn't it? Yeah, and I've always said when I train sales teams, I say, you know, when you tell stories, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of storytelling as a, 
as a sales tool because it's a mm. communication tool and, and we all speak differently when we tell stories and we also listen differently when we hear stories but my rule is when you hear somebody else's story once you've retold it three times it's your story you know because you can just copy that stuff around you. you don't have to put a footnote like an academic paper of where your source is you, you pick up words and phrases and stories and case studies and examples from the people around you all the time famous phrase story sell and of course Alistair Paul working on this it's going to create issues for HR in the future isn't it is, is the mental health side of things because they're going to blame the businesses and the businesses that are, you know are going to end up falling out the well I, indeed I mean I think most employers first concern is obviously going to be the performance of people but it's linked undoubtedly and I think it's easy to measure with the, with the software available these days you can track what people are doing for you in terms of time spent number of calls made you can listen to conversations that they've had with people if, if you've got the structure and the time to focus on doing all of that paul says if it's going to take longer for somebody to learn and develop uh, they're going to become very disheartened if they're not hitting the targets and if they're getting kicked i mean in in the 30 years i've been in the in, in my profession you know the one thing's for sure, unsuccessful salespeople are a bit like Premier League football managers, you know, they're, they're gone pretty quickly. And um, very often without that kind of three strikes in your eight kind of um, attitude that maybe people in other positions uh, might expect, it can be pretty brutal. And yeah, those that thrive in it do exceptionally well, are very much in demand. It must be, it must be awful to feel isolated and unsupported and struggling when you are solely a home worker maybe with somebody listening to you looking at your kpis on a piece of paper and not mm -hmm. actually uh, helping you to to get the right message out there i just yeah. think there are some things alistair and ben that that work better in person so yeah. you know for me as a trainer i think in-person training in a room together is more powerful than anything else it doesn't mean i don't do online training i also do online training it's just not as powerful it's not as engaging. It's very difficult to engage with online. Some do it better than others, and maybe I could get better at it. But something suits. I was just thinking you know, back to what seems, thankfully, so long ago now when we were really were locked down. A couple of friends of mine hosted a few quizzes. I mean, they were better than not yes. seeing, not seeing yeah. each other, but they were dreadful. You know, people talking over the top of each other all the time. They didn't work. Yeah. I'm sure all of us had something like a birthday or an anniversary or Christmas where we joined people online. It was rubbish. I mean, it was better than not seeing them at all, but it was rubbish. None of us have gone, sure. oh, that worked so well. We'll keep on doing it. We couldn't wait to get back uh, to doing it. Now, again, as, as Ben touched on earlier, there's different kinds of sales, and there are people that have always worked from home. I still think they are few and far between as far as percentage of salespeople. Uh, and again, definitely the ones earlier in career where, you know, that yeah. beginning. And when I say a beginning, I'm talking first decade. I'm not talking first year or so. I'm talking, you know, years of learning your trade as a salesperson, you sure. are infinitely more likely to become better yeah. at it and enjoy it and stick with it if you're around people. Historically, that kind of field salesperson, there might be their contract might say they're a homework, but that's actually only for the one day a week when they're at home trying to catch up with all their admin and appointment making uh, and they're on the phones then but but maybe four days a week they're actually on the road seeing three four and five potential customers existing clients account management and and wheedling some more work out of them and that's a, that again is a very different thing and I've, I've certainly seen a number of examples where because of lockdown of course that, that there's been a huge transition from uh, actually physical 
getting on the road to go and see people to getting a Zoom call in the diary or just mm. a phone call. But circumstances become such, you know, somebody decides that they're going to get a dog. They are indulged almost in a way by employers allowing them to ease more into a homework life, perhaps before they then stop and realise the negative side of it. Mm. I also think as well, just going back to Ben, a question you actually asked of Alistair, and it's far more Alistair's expertise than mine, about taking care of salespeople, particularly those working from home. And, and on my um, podcast, I interviewed a, a lady called Julia Rodlosso, who's a very successful insurance entrepreneur. And Julia has a sales team who work from home, but she said never has it been more important for employers to make sure they're taking care of their salespeople working from home. Yeah, like you say, I think taking care is the key because I think a lot of field salespeople um, actually do want to go home and they do want to sit there and go through what they've done and prepare their reports and prepare their proposals. So like you say, it is very much considering the elements of, of the equation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think like you say that the salespeople in general do want to mix with other salespeople because they bounce off each other. I think from the employer's point of view, and actually you probably best to consider this, is that there needs to be a conversation. Communication is the key. Have a conversation, understand their role. Say they're from Shropshire and they go all the way up to Newcastle, and coming back, the last thing they want to do is go back to the office for an hour because people are going to ask them questions. They probably want to go home, do their proposal, and end the day. That's a totally different scenario to you You need to go in and make yes. sense for that day, isn't it? Yes, I mean, quite different to the, the sort of call centre that's no longer together in a sales team. Field sales people, it's a very different setup, right? They're used to doing it. It's almost back to the point I raised earlier about all the clients with whom I work where they were office-based and are back office-based and the ones who are still working from, from home were always working from home. So there's, there's a rhythm to a, a life. And as Alistair alluded to earlier, when you are a field salesperson, um, you are out and about talking to people as well. So you're not alone. And even those little interactions of going to grab a coffee from somewhere. I mean, again, going back to lockdown, I can remember the joy of being in Sainsbury's and seeing a mate of mine in the milk aisle and stopping for what was about a 25 minute chat of just, like, oh, yes. goodness, I've got someone to talk to. A typical field sales person would probably have somewhere between one and four meetings a day being out and about so they've got a a human connection albeit not yeah. a, a corporate connection to their own company wonderful uh, that's been fascinating alistair how are things in the hr world i mean we are coming to september um parliament are obviously are back um so new hr laws will be considered any other yes well we will see i mean you know we've had um really you know, post-Brexit and uh, pandemic, a lot of day-to-day -day or sort of six-monthly kind of expected progress of, of legislation has largely been put on hold, but it's ramping up again. We've got a new prime minister. Let's see what the spring has and what announcements in April have. It's going to be a difficult time, I think, for a lot of businesses. I mean, at the moment, obviously, a huge recruitment difficulty has been for some time. Huge shortage of, of labour, especially in certain areas. That's causing a lot of businesses a lot of problems but we're going to see energy costs and things biting in business in coming months i think inevitably we're going to see us dipping into some kind of a recession how bad i don't know that always brings out challenges so i'm, I'm already speaking to companies not so much about redundancies at the moment but more about protecting what they've got and still on the recruitment side. We are just trying to make sure that companies are protecting their goodwill, not losing those good salespeople, still investing in staff where they can and when they can afford it, but making sure that those staff realise that if they leave, they might find that some of that investment has to be repaid by them. So things like that. 
prevalent at the moment. Uh, but really, we're just getting back after a very long, hot summer. I think I expect to, I'll be speaking to business owners in the coming weeks who've been hatching plans. But at the moment, companies are still doing, doing okay, Ben. But I am hearing that there is an increase generally in insolvencies and things as well. So it depends on your sector. I'm glad I'm running a professional services business at the moment than running a pub or a care home or something like that. They say there are certain sectors who are feeling the pain before others, perhaps. It catches up with everybody. And ultimately, we in professional services are very much reliant on our clients being there and still needing us and recognising that uh, we're perhaps the last saving to make. And isn't it funny how it all links, because Paul, because if people have got the worry of losing their jobs, you're back to the mental health issue. And of course, that is not going to increase performance, is it? All feeds back in. It is a concern for lots of people, I think, out there. Ben, I'm perhaps as natural as a salesperson. I tend to be an optimist. I don't think you can be in sales and not be an optimist. I think I've met half a dozen in sales who are pessimists and still good. I'm a great believer within the confines of where I can not to worry about things that I don't know are going to happen. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of the work I do with sales teams at the moment is you never dictate a market. All you can ever do in business is win market share. And whether that's a large market or a small market, and you know, so much about sales in particular, and probably yeah. true of all of us in business, is not to worry about things you can't control. Who is out there? Can I get to them? Have they got a need? They're going to move forward. If, they, if they're not ready, then move on somewhere else. But you, you can drive yourself literally crazy worrying about things you don't control i never understand why brits complain about the weather you know i'm a brit that's that's our weather right it's not very good <laughs> albeit albeit this summer was a bit different uh, and the sun's just come yeah. out again after a morning of rain but just don't worry about things that that you can't control look at the things you can control and focus on them there's a welshman paul i'm still in short <laughs> yeah. one thing i can control is the length of a podcast if the sun's out i think we'll we'll end it there alistair as always thank you very much paul thank you ben course it's been an absolute pleasure to discuss your thinking as always thank you, thank you for listening to our listeners thank you paul and uh, paul just a quick one how can people get hold of you uh they can find me personally easily on linkedin and the company's sales talent and our website is salestalentuk.com thank you, thank you paul. we'll be looking you up <laughs> thank you Arthur.